I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. With Boyd Matheson. So what do Republicans and Democrats really believe about contentious issues like guns or the best way to run the economy? And are some of those differences not political? In other words, are they a difference of how the rich and the poor, the economic classes, see the world? Uh, That's an interesting thing to think through. And to help us do just that, Dr. Matt Grossman, who is the director of the Institute of Public Policy and Social Research at Michigan State University, uh, joins us on the line. Uh, Dr. Grossman, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, So let's dive into this. And let's let's start with this uh, issue of the Second Amendment and gun control. Most people just go with the headline of this is a Republican versus Democrat, liberal versus conservative battle. Uh, And you say there's probably more to it than that. Well, it is an issue on which uh, Republicans and uh, Democrats uh, disagree uh, quite a bit, but it's also uh, an issue on which uh, the public opinion uh, is generally uh, in favor of uh, many gun controls that do not uh, pass Congress. Um, But uh, some people... Uh, tend to attribute that to, to some kind of influence uh, other than the public, uh, usually uh, the the well-off. Um, and this actually is a case where the rich are actually more in favor of gun control uh, than the poor or the middle class. Um, and still, that doesn't mean that it's likely to pass Congress. Right. And uh, we, we've been talking today in terms of, you know, if anything gets done, it's going to be a very precision uh, kind of piece of legislation, not a, a big sweeping reform bill that uh, will have thousands of pages that nobody will read uh, and looking at more of a political posturing as opposed to a, let's get the right policy in place. Uh, and so as as you continue to look at that uh, and dig into that a little bit from a uh, an economic status uh, from rich and poor, uh, are there other sub things uh, within that that influence those feelings about uh, let's stick with the Second Amendment for a minute and then we'll jump on to some others? Well, um, it, it is an issue on which the partisan differences are, are much greater than the, the income differences, um, but it doesn't match the, the usual divide, which is that uh, Democrats are more likely to agree with the opinions of the poorest Americans, and Republicans are more likely to agree with the opinions of the richest Americans, especially on economic policy. Uh, interestingly, the, the place where the, the rich have different opinions than the poor that are largest and they tend to get their way most often is actually 
actually in foreign policy, things like uh, trade agreements, um, uh, foreign aid, international military interventions. That's where there really is a difference between the opinions of the rich uh, and the poor. It doesn't necessarily match up along partisan lines, uh, but policy is more likely to follow the opinions of the rich. Oh, that, that's interesting. And, and uh, dig into that just a little bit for us in terms of uh, kind of the, the politics, the, the elite groups fighting for their interests. Uh, again, whether they're Republican or Democrat, it just seems to be that there there are issues, whether that's uh, health care or critical race theory in school or Roe v. Wade. Uh, how, how do those things break out? Well, the, uh, there, there are, you know, well-established differences between Democrats and Republicans and between business interests uh, and other advocacy groups that usually line up uh, with Republicans uh, and Democrats. Um, but that's not always the case. Um, and it turns out that, you know, most things that are proposed are, are not likely to become law. So that's the, the normal process uh, that things are, are proposed but don't succeed. But in order to actually have a good chance of becoming law, usually something needs the support of Democrats, Republicans, the rich and the poor. Uh, so, uh, you know, we have a system that um, sort of has a bias toward toward doing nothing um, unless kind of all the interest groups and the parties are lined up on one side. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get that. Uh, and so talk talk to us about that uh, again from your research uh, in terms of politicians and, and presidents in particular, uh, in terms of laying out the uh, and kind of getting past these differences. And obviously there's left and right differences and rich and poor differences. But how do you manage that from a uh, from a messaging and a policy standpoint so that, as you said, we can actually have that rare occurrence where something does get done and, and changes? Well, the usual pattern uh, is for the majority party to get about half of its agenda items uh, through, um, but it doesn't usually occur through the way that kind of partisans want it to occur, where you just roll over the opposition. Um, that's actually a fairly rare uh, occurrence for, for policymaking to, to happen that way. It's actually much more often uh, the, the way that you uh, <laughs> predicted might happen with gun control, that uh, the majority party's proposal is uh, pared down quite a bit, um, gets some support from the minority party, and that allows it uh, to become law. That's That's been the normal process all along. Yeah, and so what should we be thinking about? What should we think differently about when it comes to discussing the differences between the political parties? Well, I think there, you know, there are well-established differences between the parties, and they match up um, with kind of how people think about the parties. Um, but, um, you know, there, there are also... There is also a policymaking system that sort of requires a pretty broad-scale agreement uh, for anything to happen, and that agreement doesn't just need to happen between Democrats and Republicans, but between business interests and advocacy groups um, and between uh, different economic classes uh, in in the public. So uh, there are both broad differences um, and uh, coalitions that have to come together uh, in order to get anything done. Yeah, and uh, let me just ask you quickly about uh, that difference. You you sort of have the... You know, the elite, the think tanks, uh, you also have kind of the wealthy, well-connected, you have the lobbying class. Uh, and then, as, as you pointed out, you also have some of these advocacy organizations, and, and those tend to also follow along some of the economic lines. Uh, give us just a little insight into how that plays out. Uh, again, when it comes, obviously, lobbying is a, is a big deal and part of it, and that tends to be more geared towards those who can afford to have lawyers and lobbyists. Uh, and those that are relying more on advocacy groups. 
Oh, that's right. There's uh, lots of interest groups in, in Washington. Uh, to, to put it as broad scale as possible, business interests are, are more likely to align with the Republican Party and basically all of the other uh, interest groups as a whole um, are more likely to align with the positions of the Democratic Party. Um, but they don't, of course, always uh, line up. Um, and some of the, the policies that, that have become law have actually ended up uh, generating coalitions of support from business interests and uh, normally liberal uh, advocacy groups uh, in in one. Um, that said, that doesn't mean everyone is well represented uh, in Washington. Uh, we find that uh, all of those interest groups are more likely to have physicians aligned uh, with the richest Americans than with the poorest Americans. Uh, fascinating stuff. Dr. Matt Grossman is the director of the Institute for Public Policy and Social Research at Michigan State University. Uh, Dr. Grossman, thanks so much for joining us today. Great insight. Thank you. All right. And that's uh, Dr. Matt Grossman, uh, Michigan State University. And I do think it's interesting because we so often hyperventilate about the left-right debate, the Democrat-Republican debate, and where those divides are. Uh, But I do think it's important when we start looking at how do we build coalitions to actually get the right kind of policy into place. And that often is going to require a a little different view. And part of that different view is to say, well, let's just not look at it in terms of, of a D or an R, uh, let's look at that in terms of, of economics. Uh, I, I surely saw that play out in Washington over and over and over again, that those who could afford lawyers and lobbyists uh, had a pretty good chance of getting things through or getting things inserted inserted into big pieces of legislation. And I think that's an interesting thing, because if you, you can't do that, I saw a lot of small businesses uh, from right here in the state of Utah that struggled because of big lobbying efforts by very large organizations who can afford it. And it's one of those fallacies that uh, most businesses will complain about overregulation or burdensome regulation. And the thing that I got tuned into pretty quickly in my time in D.C. was the fact that the, the really big companies, they would whine and complain a little bit about overregulation, but they also knew It helped them because they could afford lawyers and lobbyists to deal with it. Where a startup business, a new competitor in the marketplace, just couldn't compete. And so in some ways, the the lobbying system does enable those who have achieved success and become big to pull that ladder of success up behind them uh, to keep competitors out by having more regulation and more laws that would make it really difficult for a startup to get into an industry and and really compete there. Uh, So there are some real economic divides there as well. And uh, again, great insight from Dr. Matt Grossman from uh, Michigan State University. Appreciate his perspective today. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. We'll give you an update on Ukraine and some of the other happenings around the world. Stay with us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.